service here at the Boonville Church of Christ. We're always glad to see you, especially if you're visiting with us. We also want to welcome all of those that will be viewing the service online today also. If you would at this time, please take the friendship register from the end of the pew and pass it down so that we can have a record of everyone's attendance. This morning we come together to worship the Lord. Let's begin our time together in prayer. Our Father, thank you for all of the blessings that you bestow upon us each day. Father, we pray that you'll be with us and help us to live our lives so that others can see Jesus living through the life that we live. Be with us in this service. We pray that as we leave today, we can leave with a renewed spirit, with a commitment to do better for you. We pray that we'll always be the kind of Christian that you would want us to be. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good morning, everyone. For those who, of you who are younger, this is a songbook. And we're going to use this today because we're having uh, some software issues. We've, we went to a new program and they're having issues getting off. Getting the kinks worked out. So if you would get your songbooks out and turn to number 123. 123. Sing through this twice. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new and morning. Great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore I will move. 
and God guard and direct us. We ask you to be with those in charge, the speakers today. We pray that they may say something that will just touch our hearts in a way that uh, we need to hear it and we might make changes in our lives. We ask you to forgive us for our sins. These blessings we ask in Christ's name. Amen. like to mark the invitation song, it would be number 911, 911, song before scripture reading this morning, number 628, 628. <clears throat> if you're able to, you please stand and sing this song. <clears throat> If the name of the Savior is precious to you, from Matthew chapter 28 verses 18 through 20 and Jesus came and spake unto them saying all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth go ye therefore and teach all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you and lo I am with you always even unto the end of the world amen Good morning, everyone. It's terrific to see you. I know you made a conscious decision to be a part of our worship this morning. And I, for one, am thankful for your being here. Have a lot of folks, obviously, that are traveling, and we're praying that they'll have a safe return to us. And just like Joe mentioned in his prayer, our hearts are with those folks in Uvalde, Texas, that have experienced another one of those unthinkable, senseless tragedies. I understand that this attack was the 27th this year. So while those that are large with lots of victims like this one 
get the headlines, it's obviously a serious problem in our nation. And we want our kids to be safe, don't we? We want to know that when we send them to some place where we're not able to personally supervise them, that they're going to be okay. And we'll see them later. I just, I can't imagine as a parent and now as a grandparent what folks are experiencing going through right now. And then uh, not only the 21 that were injured, well, killed in that event, but then understand the husband of one of the teachers uh, later died from a heart attack. I couldn't imagine the stress, the strain, the emotions, but we remember those folks. And then tomorrow's Memorial Day. And it's a Memorial Day because it's remembering those folks who died protecting us, or certainly protecting our values, going into battle and ultimately paying the price with their lives thinking that, I'm sure, what I do today will benefit and bless my family back home. And how many of us through the years have prayed for loved ones who are on the battlefield and received news that they had perished in that activity. And again, it's just an emotional thing. As much as those bring up emotions in us, today's also the first day of the week. And you know, every first day of the week, we have a memorial too. We remember Jesus' death. And again, I, I I think of God's plan in that, but then the senseless actions of the people who took Jesus' life. You know, not not listening to the teachings and the evidence that was there that he indeed was the Messiah and just going forthright and punishing him for his declarations and ultimately crucifying him. Again, it's emotional for us to think about our Savior as he gave all for us. So in the midst of all of that, today is also another kind of special day for us. And that is today is our mission emphasis. Now, before you turn your attention to off on that topic, I want you to know that the whole matter of missions and reaching out And well, really, the sharing of the gospel, whether that is in my own personal interaction with someone, or whether that is sending someone to a far-off place on my behalf to share the gospel. All of that is kind of based on the sacrifice that Jesus made. Jesus died to save all people. And while we have the privilege today to assemble as a group of saved people, there are a mass of humans in this world today who do not know Jesus, who haven't obeyed the gospel, and who are on a trajectory to lose their souls. So as much as we think about and memorialize We also need to be concerned with what yet remains of the living and the souls that need to be saved and of our responsibility to that end. So today, in keeping with our general theme, the power of one, today I want to share with you the power of just one word. And that one word is going to come out of our text from this morning. But before we start that, Let's pray to God with some of these concerns that we have and then for his blessing on us today. Let's pray. Our Father, we're thankful for the privilege to assemble here. We're thankful for 
our access to you. And as Joe has already intimated in his prayer, our hearts are heavy, they're somewhat confused, we don't understand the brutality that was represented in the attack on a school in Texas. But, Father, we do pray for healing in that community, and we pray that a problem that seems to continue will be arrested, not not because there are some smart people who get together and try to determine a course of action, but help it, Lord, to be through the dominant feature of your love through Jesus. I pray that through tragedies like this that your name will be exalted and that you'll be glorified despite the horrors of it all and that in the recovering of spirits and emotions that your way will be seen as the right way. I just pray for this nation that its collective heart could be changed and that uh, your truths would prevail. I don't say that just as, you know, high hopes. I I genuinely pray that these things will be so. I, I pray, Father, for those families who have yet memories of their servicemen who left home with pride and conviction, but gave the utmost in their service to their country. I pray, Lord, that as we go through a Memorial Day, that it's not just about a day off or grilling some hamburgers, spending time with family, but that we truly will reflect on what freedom ultimately costs. And then yet, we think about Jesus, of course, here on the first day of the week and of his sacrifice for us. And Father, I pray that we'll be motivated, that we'll be committed in our service to you. We'll be committed to what we read a moment ago, to carrying the gospel to the whole world. Help us each one to be committed to start with that work right here where we are within the circle of influence that we have, however great or small, and that we collectively as a body will reach further and do what you expect of us, to go even beyond what we think we can do. Lord, help us to have big, audacious plans not based on what we can see, but our faith. Help us to know we can achieve it because you're with us. Help us to understand the power of even one word. I pray, Lord, you'll help me to express that in a, a way that this audience can understand and appreciate. And I pray, Lord, that those who hear it will apply it. Help our commitment to be greater than ever. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so you've heard this text probably hundreds of times. I don't, I don't think that's an understatement. Hundreds of times in sermons that you've heard or in Bible classes that you've been a part of. Jesus said that he had all of the authority in heaven and on earth. And so He says to go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. I want to share with you the power of just one of those words. And it's it's the shortest word. In this entire text, it is the word go, G-O. Now, I've heard people express it this way, that this text is commanding us to go, so we need to go. But actually, the word go, although it's a verb here, is not, it's not a commanding word. I'll share with you the command here in a moment. 
This little word go, G-O, actually comes from a Greek word that is a present participle. If we were going to make one in English, we would just take a verb and put I-N-G at the end of it. So instead of simply go, the word really is going. Now I said that there is actually a command in this text, and it is the command that follows. Make disciples. The command that Jesus gives to us by his authority is to make disciples. But now watch this as we put it together. Instead of just simply saying, go therefore and make disciples, Jesus is saying, as you are going, make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. As you are going, make disciples. All right, I'll go ahead and bite. When are we going, Ken? (laughs) Are we going when, for instance, we have all of our mission work properly funded as we're hoping to achieve today? Or maybe to have a budget that exceeds our expectations and able to go into places we never even thought of before. Is that what you're talking about, going? Well, sometimes maybe we apply it that way, but that's not what Jesus was saying. Jesus said, as you are going, make disciples. I guess a personal application would be something like, now, Ken, as you are going, I don't know, to Walmart, see if you can't make some disciples there. As you're going off to work, see about making some disciples. As you are meeting with family and friends, as you're gathering for Memorial Day, How about as you are going, remember the thing that you are most committed to. As you are going, command, make disciples. I get the idea, don't you, that Jesus is pretty serious as he is leaving the success of the kingdom of God in the hands of, at that point, 11 disciples that he wants them to know the seriousness of this work. Look, guys, don't just sit around and make a plan to have a big convention somewhere and do it there. Just take it as it comes. So as you are going, as you are interacting with other people, with people who are lost, make disciples. My import from that is that making disciples is a pretty serious thing with the Lord. In fact, I know when Jesus talked about coming for the purpose of seeking and saving that which was lost, that we can see in his pattern of life the pattern that he's expecting of us. Now, I think about every conversation that Jesus has even conversations with the disciples who are already sold on him. Jesus didn't talk about the weather or about sports or about any common thing that we might typically enter into a conversation with simply for the purpose of talking about weather or sports or any other thing that interests us. Every conversation that we have recorded of Jesus always ends up with some kind of spiritual application. Jesus had a mind that the kingdom of God and its establishment was going to be number one. And so every opportunity that he had ended up discussing that very prospect. And so now as Jesus is ascending to the Father, he's giving what we call the Great Commission. It's the big one. And he tells them that they are to go, literally, as they are going, to make disciples. For that handful of disciples to be able 
to take that gospel to the whole world was going to require a great deal of commitment. So today, I want us to think in terms of commitment. For instance, go is a commitment to growth. I didn't mention this, but I'm pretty sure it's apparent, isn't it? If I have the mind that everybody I come into contact with is going to become an object to which I share the gospel, I'm going to make an attempt to make a disciple with this associate. If I have that mind, and all of us have that mind, isn't it pretty certain that the church is going to grow as a result of that? Just nod your head this way. I mean, isn't that obvious? I shared with the Acts class the other night something that, I don't know, maybe we've never thought about. We look at uh, the book of Acts and we see that on the day that the gospel was preached for the first time, 3,000 souls were added to them. 3,000. And I think, man, what a huge response. 3,000 people. But most scholars, most historians think that on that particular Pentecost, there could have been anywhere between 600,000 and 2 million people in Jerusalem. Many of those had actually seen the crucifixion of Jesus, which was only 50 days ago from that point. And so as they have gone about their business, now they're here on the day of Pentecost, and preaching breaks out. <laughs> 3,000 of those who were in the audience responded. Now, if you do a little bit of calculation, if you use the 2 million figure, you realize that 0.15% of 2 million people is 3,000. So 0.15% of the people who were there in Jerusalem responded to the gospel. Or, if you want to go with the 600,000, that is 0.5, half of a percent. That's 3,000. Half of a percent of the 600,000 responded to the gospel. I still say, yes, wow. But let's bring that down to earth for us, our perspective. There are basically 8,500 people here in Boonville. So if half a percent of those people were to respond to the gospel, that would be 43. Or if you take our entire county, 25,000 people, if the gospel response was half a percent, that would be 125 people. Now when I look at it that way, I now realize, oh wait a minute, I'm kind of seeing that when the gospel is preached, not, not everybody responds to it. In fact, half a percent doesn't sound like very much. But is that doable? The answer is absolutely yes, that is doable. If I have the mindset that when I go, or I am in the process of going, I'm going to have my mindset on saving a soul. Now, I don't know how that conversation is going to work itself out, but my end goal, my end result is always going to be to strive to see a soul that is saved. That is the commitment that I ought to have in the preaching of the gospel. Now, as pertains that fledgling little half percent group that started there in Jerusalem, you know that the book of Acts in particular is a book that stresses the continued growth of the church. In Acts chapter 2, verse 47, that scripture says that the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. To do it daily means that this was something that was happening every single day. In chapter 5, verse 14, the scripture there says that they were increasingly added. So that's ramping it up a little bit more. In chapter 6, verse 7, they were multiplying. Same thing in chapter 9, verse 31. By the time you get to chapter 11 and verse 24, it says that they increased in number daily. And so is true of chapter 16 and verse 5. They're just increasing. Great numbers are being added. 
Now, let's go back to that day of Pentecost. 3,000 souls, you say, that was only half a percent. But did you see how the church was growing as it went along? It even got to the place, I believe, where it was exponential growth. It was just growing like wildfire spreading across the world, so much so that Colossians 1 verse 23, Paul says we preach the gospel to every creature. Okay. So let's just put ourselves in their shoes. We say, well, kid, you know, we're, we're already ahead of the percentage that they had on that first day. You know, we got more than 125 here for the whole county. Yeah, but, but would you say that we are increasing in number every single day? You wouldn't, would you? Would you say we're multiplying? Do we have work to do? Nod your head this way. Obviously we do. But let me tell you the simple import of this text again. It is to do it as we are going. Question, where are you going? Wherever it is that you are going, have in your mind that I want to share with somebody the most precious thing I have ever learned or received. And then take it from there. Now, it's going to take, well, it's going to take absolute commitment on our part. Now, Ken, what do you mean by absolute commitment? Well, I want to let Jesus answer that for us, okay? Jesus, what do you expect of me as your disciple? Jesus said in Luke chapter 9, verse 23, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. You know, we have lots of discussions, I guess, especially in Bible classes where we're like, oh, why does that really mean to carry my cross? You know what? I'm just going to go peace with you right here. And I'm going to say this, whatever it is you worked that out to be, whether, as some will say, you know, I, I want to share the gospel with people, but I just got these burdens in my life that I carry around. Okay, peace, if that's how you see it. Or you feel the burden of the responsibility to convict souls. If that's the burden you feel, peace there too. But all I'm saying is that whatever you work that out to be, Jesus says, I want that every day. Okay? I want it every day. I want it all the time. That kind of fits in with what he told us to do, right? As you're going. All the time I want you carrying that cross. All the time I want to see this commitment and this devotion to my cause. How committed am I? Again, let's hear Jesus. Luke chapter 14, verse 33. Jesus says there that whatever it is that we have, if we're not willing to forsake it, we can't be his disciple. Ouch. So now it goes beyond just simply the stuff that's hidden about me, you know, what I, my, my hope, my dream. Boy, I, I, I really wanted to do better, blah, blah, blah. Jesus says, what I'm expecting of you is all that you have. N not just your sentiment, but even the stuff. If the stuff that you have is standing in the way of your commitment to me. you got to forsake that. Let it go. Whatever it is that would get in the way of my going and making a disciple, get, get rid of that. Talk about priorities, yes? Well, let's hear Jesus again. Matthew 6, verse 33. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and then all these things, the other stuff, uh, that'll be added to you. Whatever you need, don't worry about. What I'm expecting is total commitment in terms of the kingdom. Total commitment, myself, uh, my stuff. You know, even our relationships. Yeah, Jesus again. Matthew, or, yeah, Matthew chapter 10, verse 37 Jesus says that he who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. He who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Jesus isn't saying don't love your father and your mother, don't love your son and your daughter. No, do. Absolutely do. You know that. 
but don't love them more than you love me. Now, I've had this exercise this weekend, as many of you have or you will, had all the grandbabies over and their parents. And I tell you, it was a love fest because I love my children. But then those little grandbabies that have come in the marriage with their spouses whom we love as well. See, we, we learn to love our children and their spouse as a couple, and we were enjoying that immensely. And then came the grandbabies. And we just, uh, there are hardly words to express how much I love them. But listen, as much as we feel the emotion of that and the closeness and the general love fest, Jesus says, I need that every day too. I need that all the time. Now, do I love Jesus? I think you know I do with all that I have and all that I am. But it's going to be Jesus always. Now, family can sometimes turn against us. We can become disappointed. I'm not saying that we won't love them anymore. We'll probably love them harder in their turning their backs on us than maybe we ever did when they were with us. But I'm telling you, I'm going to love Jesus to the very end with all that we have and all that we are. Paul, did you love Jesus? Paul got so frustrated in trying to describe his love for Jesus that it's almost like he just had an episode and he just fell apart with the descriptions of his love for Jesus. But notice how it goes. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, beginning verse 22, Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they the seed of Abraham? So am I. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool, I am more. In labors more abundant, stripes above measure, in prison more frequently, and deaths often. From the Jews I received five times 40 stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods, once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I've been in the deep. In journeys often, in perils of robbers, in perils of waters, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and toil and sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirsting and fastings often, in cold and nakedness. Besides the other things, what comes upon me daily, my deep concern for all the churches. Who is weak and I am not weak? Who is made to stumble and I do not burn with indignation? If I must boast, I'll boast in the things which concern my infirmities. Paul says, you know what? I'm not coming at you saying, look at me, number one Christian. Look at all the souls I've saved. As I went into the world, as I was going, I made disciples. That's not how Paul saw it. Paul saw it as, what sacrifice can I make for Jesus in the process of going? I'll be beaten, I'll be stoned, I'll go without water, let me be shipwrecked. Take advantage of me as you will, but I'm always going to put Jesus first. As I'm going, I'm striving to make disciples. I'm striving to fulfill His desire to save this world. I'm going to do whatever it takes. Go is absolutely a commitment to growth. Go is also a commitment to love, unity, and peace. And that is something that ought to describe our home base right here. Because love is something that is supposed to be a tremendous advertisement for us to the world. In John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. Number one, we're going to love each other. And then that love is just going to flow out of us. It is going to advertise to the world that we are the real thing. We are genuine. And then unity. Again, the book of John, chapter 17, verses 20 and 21. And I do not pray for these alone, but also for all those who are going to believe on me through their word, that they may be one, as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. 
How incongruous is it to think of Jesus, a saver of souls, so desirous to save souls that he dies on the cross for them, even while they were still in their sins, but then we got Christians today who really don't have that desire whatsoever. That doesn't match. Just as much as that love was manifested in Jesus' desire to be united in the truth, so too that ought to be manifested in us and a desire to share that so that not only can we experience peace, but as I was trying to intimate earlier, that the whole world can experience that. One soul at a time. Philippians chapter 2, Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Now, you know, he leads off by saying, please let me hear that you guys are like-minded together in all of this, of one accord. I love that. Hearts beating in unison. You're one body. I want to hear that about you. But please, oh, please, oh, please, don't be divided by the strife of, I don't know, human tendencies, you know, gossip and slander of one another. That ought to be something that is never a problem in the church. Because we are striving to be one so that we can demonstrate to the world the oneness and the purity of our message. Our love and our unity ought to naturally flow into the peace that we enjoy in the body. So when we look at this world, we don't see love, we see indifference. We don't see unity Today, perhaps more than ever, and you know, I'm just speaking from the perspective of my being in this time. I, I'm not the historian of ages that will come that looks back and says, Ken, you are all wrong. I'm just, I'm just talking as one who's living in this time. I don't know of any time that I've heard about or experienced where there's more division and peace. And people are at one another in this country the uncertainty about how things are going to go. The church ought to be that one place, and perhaps today, the one place apart from every other place where you can see on display continually love, unity, and peace. If that's what we have and we're going, it's going to be infectious. We will make disciples that way. And then, go is also a commitment to evangelism. Oh no, there's that word that people hate to hear. And I, I don't know why. I say the word gospel, that sounds okay. Uh, gospel is from the Greek word euangelos, from which we get evangelize. It's, it's just uh, an anglicized word. We take the Greek and we transliterate it into an English term. I don't know why they did it that way. You could have just translated it this way. Instead of evangelizing, you could have just said, we're going about gospeling. Gospeling. In other, way, in other words, you and I, we are going about sharing the gospel. Sharing the good news. Typically, when something good happens to you, you share it with somebody. I don't know why it is that we are seemingly ashamed to share the gospel with people. I don't know. You know if the world were to end today, people that we failed to share the gospel to, if they didn't obey that gospel at some point, they're going to be lost. I would think that would weigh heavy on my heart if I felt responsible for not having shared the gospel with somebody when I had the opportunity to do it. So we're to go about gospeling, sharing the gospel. Someone has said that there are really only two reasons why we wouldn't share the gospel. Number one, either we don't believe that people will actually be lost if they don't obey the gospel. Or number two, we don't believe that we will be held responsible 
if we don't share the gospel with someone who needs to hear it. I think those outlooks are based maybe on the book of Ezekiel, chapter 3, 17 to 21. I don't know how often you read in Ezekiel, but that text tells us from two different standpoints our responsibility. First, he talks about people who are wicked. The Lord tells the prophet, I'm going to punish those people. And so the prophet had the responsibility to tell them that that's what was coming to give them an opportunity to repent. Then if they choose not to repent, that's on them. But he says, if you don't tell them, their blood is on your hands. And then to the prophet, he said, well, you know, they're also going to be righteous people who mess up. And when they mess up, it's your responsibility to tell them so. And if they respond to it, which they are the ones who have the opportunity to do it, if they do, great, you know, wonderful. But if you fail to warn them, then their blood is on your hands. You know the concept of the blood on your hands. That means, in effect, you did this to them. Simply because you didn't, I didn't, share the news. I didn't give the warning. Paul talks about that too as you can imagine. Romans chapter 10, verses 13 and following. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. But how shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, Who has believed our report? So then, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Let me ask you, how did they hear the Word of God to be saved? Somebody had to carry it to them. Who was it that was carrying it? Well, he depicts that person as the preacher, the proclaimer of the gospel. Who would that be? Jesus said, go. But we know that literally means going. As you are going, make disciples. Who's going to help people answer the call of the gospel? It's going to be you and me carrying the message of the gospel. I ask you, are you committed? Are you committed to preaching that truth, sharing it with those you touch in your life as you are going about? I hope that you are. Today we called Mission Sunday for the very purpose of, I guess, expanding our reach. You know, we can do so much ourselves. That's what we're responsible to. But we are also able to join hands with others as they carry that gospel throughout the whole world. That's the whole purpose of our collection today, to demonstrate our love to the Lord of how much we want to see the whole world saved. We want to empower those who can go places where you and I never dreamed of going for the express purpose of making disciples. So I hope that when you're given the opportunity, you'll contribute wholeheartedly to that. But in this moment, we're just reflecting on our personal responsibility. Are you going? Are you making disciples? If you've not taking that seriously, maybe today's just a pep talk, and you're going to go out of here, and we're just going to, we're going to tear this place up for the Lord. We're going, to, we're going to really reach the lost. If that's something that, though, has been weighing on your heart, you've, you've deliberately neglected sharing the gospel. Let's, let's get that right before we ever get out of here, okay? Let's be motivated. We'll pray with you and encourage you. You're probably not the only one. If you're not a child of God, today is the day you can put Christ on in baptism. So if you believe He's the Son of God and you're ready to repent, to turn away from the world, why don't you confess your faith that He is the Son of God? Be buried in water. Have your sins washed away. You'll rise up in newness of life having had your sins washed away. 
there's anybody who needs to respond today for any reason, now is your opportunity. Why don't you come if you need to while we stand together? every first day of the week. If you would, please turn to Luke chapter 22, verses 19 and 20. A very simple but very powerful scripture. My Bible says in verse 19, And he took bread and gave thanks and broke it, and gave unto them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you, this do in remembrance of me. Likewise, also the cup after supper saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you. 
you would please bow with me as we give thanks for the bread. One thing I forgot, sorry, but the, if you lack the emblems for the Lord's Supper, the ushers will assist you in this. Let us bow now and give thanks for the bread. Father in heaven, we're so thankful that you gave your only begotten son to die upon the cross for the remission of sin. Father, we pray that as we partake of this bread, which symbolizes his body, that we will center our minds on the time of the cross. Help us to realize, Father, that his death gave us life, abundant life now, and eternal life later as we are obedient children. We love you, Father. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Now let's give thanks for the cup. Our kind and loving Father, we bow once again, thanking Thee, Father, for the plan of salvation from Your Son, who instituted the Lord's Supper, whose blood was shed upon the cross for the sins of the world. We pray, Father, that we will examine ourselves as we take of this cup the fruit of the vine. It's through Your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Today is the fifth Sunday and it's Mission Sunday. Uh, our giving will go to this cause. If you would, please bow with me as we give thanks for our giving. Father in heaven, we're so thankful for all the many blessings of life, for you giving your son to die upon the cross. We pray, Father, that as we now give, that we will do so in a manner that's joyful and pleasing to thee. We pray, Father, that you will bless all the seeds that we sow, that they will bring forth productive trees of life, and your kingdom will be glorified. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Good morning. I want to make a, a three brief requests from you regarding Super Saturday, our Super Saturday Bible School, which is coming up uh, June the 11th. You've been uh, knowing about that, and we'll say more about that, Lord willing, next week. But number one, please begin today, if you haven't already, praying about that, praying specifically about it every day. But uh, And number two, if you looked in the bulletin, uh, there are pre-registration forms, and I want to make sure, give a little clarity about those pre-registration forms. We need to know if at, as much as possible how many are coming because it is, uh, I need to know how many rooms, how many teachers, how much space, uh, and I would rather you put, uh, in other words, let me say it like this. If you're thinking, okay, I plan to bring my grandchildren, I don't know for sure yet, but that's what I'm trying to do, I hope to do, go ahead and fill that out and put it in that box. I would rather have numbers that don't come then have multiple numbers that do come and we're not prepared for it. So if you will do that for us, that would help us. But number three, uh, I am uh, excited this morning because I've had not one, but not two, but three and above who've said to me, uh, I haven't put my name on the list yet, but I want to help use me where uh, you need me. That list is designed for that purpose. Please go ahead and sign that today. So because Tuesday, Lord willing, I'm going to start making those assignments, I promise you will not be somewhere you don't want to be because I will ask you first. But if you'll sign that list and you're willing to help, you and I will have a conversation prior to that. 
but uh, I'd like to have as many names on that paper as possible so I can have some an idea of what I've got to work with when I start looking at it Tuesday morning. Thank you so much. I'm looking forward to what God will do with that day. Good morning, and thank you so much for being here on this beautiful Sunday morning. We had 272 in worship service this morning. I have a note here. Uh, Madonna Cook is having neck surgery Tuesday morning in Baptist East in Memphis. We need to remember her in prayer. That is all the announcements I have. I hope you have a wonderful Memorial Day weekend. And would you please stand for our closing prayer. Our dear, most kind and gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we do once again thank you for this day and the opportunity that we've had to come out and study your word once again. Lord, we pray that what we've learned today, may we apply it to our lives and may as a result, we better serve you. Thank you, Lord, for your son, Jesus, who died on the cross of Calvary for the sins of the world. Forgive us, Lord, wherein we've sinned against you. For this we ask in Christ's name. Amen.